0: Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, April 27th. I'm your host, Mike Maharry. Thanks for tuning in. The price of gold is hovering near five-week lows today, and we're on pace for a weekly decline of more than 1% on a stronger dollar, higher U.S. Treasury yields, and easing geopolitical concerns. As I record the podcast this morning, gold is trading at 1321.80, silver is at 1659, and the silver-gold ratio stands at 79.89. Yesterday, leaders in North and South Korea agreed to end a seven-decade war and pursue the complete denuclearization of the peninsula. Talk of a trade war between China and the U.S. has cooled, and it appears Trump's missile strike was a one-off event. In other words, there isn't a whole lot of safe haven demand right now. Meanwhile, the dollar has rebounded a bit. The dollar index was steady this morning, near a a three-and-a-half-month peak it hit on Thursday. So these factors are pulling on the price of gold. The 10-year Treasury yield cracked 3% this week, sparking a stock market sell-off on Tuesday. The Dow Jones fell over 400 points as several marquee companies, including Google Parent Alphabet and Caterpillar, warned of higher costs. In his podcast this week, Peter Schiff said he thinks the correction is over. Of course, he's looking at things from a different perspective. When the mainstream says correction, they mean a drop in the market. But Peter said the recent upward move was the correction. In fact, it was the first correction in this young bear market. Now, technically, it's not a bear market yet because we're not down 20%. But it's only a matter of time before people call the bear market what it is. Investors have been counting on strong earnings to keep the stock market marching higher, but that optimism is starting to evaporate as costs and interest rates rise. As Peter's been saying, earnings aren't really relevant because they're already baked into the cake. Much of the stock market rise since President Trump took office was based on this optimism. Ironically, Caterpillar and Alphabet actually beat their earnings estimates. Yet both stocks still tanked. After an initial pop of 4% on the news, Caterpillar plunged over 6%. So that was ultimately a 10% drop on better than expected earnings. So what does that tell you? If stocks can't go up, even if they beat earnings, well, what happens if they don't beat earnings? They're going to get crushed. Peter asked a poignant question during his podcast. Why own stocks? I mean, they're going down no matter what. It's just a question of whether they're going to go down a little or if they're going to go down a lot. So this should be taking a lot of wind out of the sales of the stock market bulls who are hanging their hats on better earnings. Because even if we get better earnings, it doesn't mean the stock prices are going to go up. I find it interesting that people aren't more concerned about these bond yields. I mean, yes, they are still pretty low, historically speaking. But why would anybody think they're going to stay low? The trend is up, right? The government has to sell trillions of dollars in bonds to finance its massive spending. Simple supply and demand tells you that prices are going to go down and yields are going to go up. But the mainstream insists rates are going up for the quote-unquote right reasons. Supposedly, we're seeing rates go up because the economy is so strong, employment is good, everything is great. But as Peter asked, how do they know that that's why rates are going up? I mean, maybe they're going up because inflation is going up. And it is going up. We published a report this week showing that the Fed's very own underlying inflation measure is close to a 12-year high. According to the Federal Reserve's underlying inflation gauge, 12-month inflation growth in March came in at 3.13%. That's the highest rate we've seen in 140 months. That's nearly 12 years. The last time the UIG measure was this high was in July 2006. That's just one reason rates might be going up. Maybe they're going up because the budget deficits are skyrocketing. Maybe they're going up because the Fed is threatening to do quantitative tightening. Maybe they're going up because people are losing confidence in the U.S. dollar or the credit worthiness of the United States. I mean, there could be a lot of bad reasons that rates are going up. But let's say that rates are going up for the right reasons. Does that really matter? The fact is, they are going up and we have to pay those higher rates. The higher interest cost is going to hit the economy, there's no doubt about it, and there are already some ominous signs. Corporate bankruptcy levels in the U.S. hit seven-year highs last month. New Chapter 11 bankruptcy surged 63% year over year in March. All told, 770 companies filed for Chapter 11 protection last month. That's the highest level since April 2011. Now this could just be the proverbial tip of the iceberg. As interest rates climb we're likely to see the number of corporations going under climb as well. The treasury yield cracking that three percent barrier got a lot of attention in the news but of course this represents the cost of servicing government debt. The U.S. treasury is going to get funded no matter what. Foreigners will buy the debt or the Fed will just print dollars to do it. Either way government will borrow no matter what the cost, but individuals and companies that borrow, they aren't as lucky. They're forced to pay these higher interest payments, and they don't have a printing press. According to Palisade Research, there is over $7.5 trillion in debt floating around out there that is highly vulnerable to rising interest rates. Now, to evaluate business sector debt, we need to look at the LIBOR rate. That's L-I-B-O-R. As Palisade explains it, LIBOR stands for London Interbank Offered Rate, and it's the benchmark rate that the world's leading banks charge each other for short-term lending. It's the first step when calculating interest rates on various kinds of loans, whether government bonds, corporate bonds, mortgages, or student debt. The LIBOR rate tends to move in tandem with the Federal Reserve Funds Rate, historically remaining slightly above it. Using Fed data, JP Morgan calculated that there is about $7.5 trillion in pure LIBOR-related debt. According to Palisade, syndicate loans, which are loans offered by a group of lenders to provide funds to a single borrower, of these 97% are tied to the LIBOR rate. Both corporate and non-corporate business loans and commercial mortgages are about half tied to LIBOR. To put this in perspective, a 35 basis point increase could raise business loan interest costs by $21 billion. So with yields rising both on the short end and the long end of the curve, this could hurt the business sector, which ultimately means hurting the stock market. Now, you've probably heard the term zombie company thrown around. These are companies with operating profits that can't cover the interest payments on its debts, much less repay the principal. According to the Bank of International Settlements, the number of zombie companies has risen above pre-crisis levels. As an article in the Financial Times noted, zombie borrowers are especially vulnerable to rising interest rates and risk collapse as the quantitative easing taps are turned off. And that's exactly what is happening. The easy money spigot is shutting down. But keep telling yourself everything is fine. In other news, imports of gold into China via Hong Kong surged in March, rising 78.67% compared to February. The amount of yellow metal moving into mainland China via Hong Kong rose to 59.4 tons in March, Up from 33.25 tons in February, according to data emailed to Reuters by the Hong Kong Census and Statistics Department. Now, it's difficult to gauge how much gold is actually moving into China because the country does not release that data. Gold imported to the mainland from Hong Kong serves as a sort of indicator of gold demand in the world's top consumer of the yellow metal. But Hong Kong data does not necessarily provide a full picture of Chinese gold purchases. The metal is also imported via Shanghai and Beijing. The resurgence of imports from Hong Kong could signal a significant shift in overall gold demand in China. Imports fell 18.5% year-on-year in 2017, and they were down 12.2% in December compared with November. This surge last month could indicate a reversal in this trend, and otherwise we could be seeing increased demand for gold in China. And it could also relate to the fact that Chinese output of gold, and China is the number one gold producer in the world, output is also falling, so that may be the reason that we're seeing gold imported into the country. At any rate, a significant uptick in demand in China or a fall in supply could have a major impact in the global gold market. This is definitely something to watch as we move forward this year. To get more details about what's going on in the precious metals market, you can talk to a Shift Gold Precious metal Specialist. They keep up to date on all the latest short-term and long-term trends, and they can help you better understand how to integrate gold and silver into your investment portfolio. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160 today. That's 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes for free. There's a link on our show notes page. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.